hours to go on Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We're live at the Bowplex, which is now only the, the, uh, the only only title that we're going to refer to it as. We're live at the Bojangles Coliseum 2023 Hercules Tire Big South Basketball Championships. We'll get to some more round ball in just a moment. Grant Leonard, I think he might come on with us. That's the text message I received back that he could stop by in a bit. So hopefully we can talk about Queen's season and what they were able to accomplish in their first year playing at the Division I level. But speaking of Division I athletes, we're seeing a lot of them work out in Indianapolis at the NFL Combine, and we saw some really impressive performances, Wes. And you have been one that did not see the reason why Jalen Carter should be drafted first, second, even ninth overall, as we talked about that yesterday, where the <laughs> Panthers are selecting. Uh -huh. So as we start to highlight some of these impressive combine performances, I know you wanted to discuss a different defensive tackle outside of Jalen Carter. Yeah, man, I'm going to tell you about a guy that's, that's been a baller, uh, been watching him for a long time, and I'm going to talk about Kaliza Kansi, okay, from Pittsburgh. He came out there yesterday and showed out. 6-1-2 81 and he ran a 467. I believe that was the fastest time for an interior lineman in the history of the combine. Yeah, beat Aaron Donald coincidentally. Yeah. Who ran a 468. Yeah, this guy's been a dog from day one. He plays with great technique, great hands. He's super athletic. He is a nasty SOB, okay? <laughs> 10 yard split was 1.63, and that's the important thing for the lineman, too. It's not just the 40 yards, because a lot of people say, well, when is the lineman going to ever run 40 yards? Well, sometimes they do, but the important thing is that 10 yard split. That shows how twitchy are you, how fast are you getting off of that football, how explosive are you. And so that's what you see there with him. But this is a guy that was a two time All American this past year, was a first team All American. But when I'm looking for a defensive tackle, I told you I want a balanced breakfast. I want a guy that's getting after the quarterback, and I want a guy that can stop the run as well, and he did both of those. 14.5 tackles for loss, 7.5 sacks. He led the nation's interior defenders with 14.5 uh, TFLs. And then in 2021, you know, first team all ACC, he had 13 tackles for loss and seven sacks in 2021, and he was the defensive player of the year in the ACC this past season. This is the guy that, yes, he is a projected first-rounder, and he is getting some love, but when, for my money, when you talk about interior D linemen, I would take this guy over Jalen Carter. Uh, like I said, I just like the production I see there, the consistency year after year, the sack numbers for interior guy. That's what I like to see. And then he shows up at the combine and was all business uh, coming out there with that workout that he had. People that discuss the NFL combine as if it is only a show of athletics that doesn't really translate to how you can be productive on the football field can be reminded of one Aaron Donald, who, yes, absolutely had production at Pitt, but would not have been as high a draft pick if he didn't show out and be a combine warrior, just yes. an absolute freak of nature, mm -hmm. where you're right, Kansi did run a 4.67 40-yard dash. He beat Aaron Donald, as I mentioned, who ran a 4.68. And so now, mm -hmm. two Pittsburgh defensive tackles, athletic freaks, they're going to be get, uh, compared a lot oh, as yeah. we get closer to the NFL draft. But that's what allowed Aaron Donald to be selected, what, I think, 13th overall, something like that. Yeah, he's going top 15 for sure, Kansi. Well, but that was despite him being undersized. Mm -hmm. And you look at Kansi, man, not a big dude, right? An athletic freak, as we've talked about, but 6'1", 280 pounds. He's thick, though, man. You see him in well, person, that neck, the arms. I, I have not been one mm -hmm. nearly as much, and maybe 
maybe, quite frankly, it's just stupid of me, mm -hmm. but I, I'm the one that just wants the talent. Give me the talent. I'm cool with it, right? Yeah. But you have been one that has been wary about the fit in a Jero Averro scheme. Mm -hmm. Do you care? Do you care about a Cansey who, yes, is crazy athletic, but mm -hmm. isn't going to be a defensive tackle and an odd man front if you need somebody real beefy? So where do you sit? Well, if yeah, the, the nose guard, that nose guard. But if, if he would be, I think he is more than capable of being a uh, a nice five technique though yeah. in a three four um, because you know those undersized guards or the undersized guys what's hard about a man is that they can get up under you and when you talk about a guy that's this explosive um, you know he can he can get under those pads and really make it difficult on you so I think if the Panthers were to look at him you would think that Avero would say okay you know this is a guy that can be versatile in this defense you brought up multiple times the fact that he runs multiple fronts, right. but the 3-4 is the base. So he can say, okay, 3-4, I can put this guy five technique defensive end. But when I go to those uh, different types of fronts, I can put him back at three technique where he really does damage. Let me ask you this, too, because to me, talking about somebody like Cansey in the other drafts, would have been extremely exciting. And I'm a sucker for the athletes, to be honest with you. Yeah. As soon as Isaiah Simmons posted his combine numbers, that was one where I was like, all right, give me Isaiah Simmons. That guy can affect the passing game. And so when you're talking about some of these NFL draft prospects mm -hmm. that aren't quarterbacks, it kind of feels moot to me because Carolina, to me, is going to trade up for a QB. Yeah. And, and so when you're talking about these first-round picks, they're great. Mm -hmm. They deserve love. Mm -hmm. It's just I don't know if Carolina is going to be considering them all that much because you might be moving up to number one, number yeah. three, whatever, yeah. and can't see going there. Yeah, for sure. And so then when you look at the rest of some of the other performances yesterday, Nolan Smith from Georgia, we have to highlight him. Now, he was 238 Ooh. pounds, but he's considered an edge. That's small. 43940, though, 41.5 Bert. I mean, explosive. <laughs> that was tremendous. The video was pretty cool online. Georgia showed of the guys watching him back in Athens, and they were pretty excited about that. Uh, but Brian Bercy, he came out yesterday, and uh, I was watching, and he had a pretty good workout. I mean, you talk about a big guy, 6'5 and a half, 298, but he ran a 4'86, which is a great time for a guy of his size. They said he showed uh, more bend than people expected, the feet, the balance, the body control. I just, like I said, I'm just leery of the fact that from what, I mean, you talk about he has he had as good a tape as anybody's I've seen coming out of high school as far as just pure carnage. When you're a top two to three player coming out of high school as an interior defensive lineman, you can expect to turn on the tape and see just pure carnage. And that's what his tape was. And we didn't, we didn't really get that at Clemson. He did make plays. He wasn't out there just a guy. He wasn't a jag. But he did make plays out there, okay? <laughs> so that's the thing I'm leery about. If they're talking about him in the first round, I've, I've said that you've seen him dropping, uh, perhaps going to to the second round, but we'll see. And then K.J. Henry is another guy I want to highlight. That's my young boy. We put him in a trash can when I was at Wake Forest, you know, when he was just a precocious 8-9 year old in the locker <laughs> room. Right? I always say, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, um, his coach was one of our defensive lines coaches. And uh, his father was one of our defensive line coaches. And so K.J. would be at our practices, you know, when he was eight, nine years old. So, you know, when you're the kid at football practice and you're there all the time, you, you're going to get messed with. You're going to get teased. And so we used to do that to him. But now he's six foot four, 251 pounds. I always joke with him and say, I think it would be pretty difficult uh, to put you in the trash can yeah. uh, at this point. Okay. I, I have at least three different questions about you putting somebody in a trash can yes. that I want to continue to explore. The trash can was clean. <laughs>
was not filthy. <laughs> well, I hope so. No, okay, now it's okay. Yeah, now, yeah. That, now that's fine. Yeah, now you man. can put somebody in But he comes in out there and runs a 4-6-3. You're talking about a guy that could be a fit for the Panthers in that mid-round, maybe third, fourth, uh, a 3-4 outside linebacker, 4-3 mm -hmm. edge and a multiple front. But he really came alive this season. He was second team all ACC. He had nine tackles for loss, only three and a half sacks, six pass breakups, though. I mean, he made a lot of plays this year. He was very disruptive. In my opinion, he was Clemson's uh, best defensive lineman. He's a local kid out of Winston-Salem. He had big pedigree, though. He was a top-10 player in the country coming out of high school as well. So he had a great day, too, man. So those are some some, some uh, prospects to watching guys that really shined yesterday. Uh, and a couple of those guys could be guys that Panthers could could look at. You have Miles Murphy and some of the other yeah. guys. They only got measured. Yeah, so we can compare a little bit more of those guys a little bit later on. Right now, we will welcome Grant Leonard, Queens men's basketball coach, to the program. Saw you grabbing some Bojangles. Thought we could have you over. We appreciate you stopping What's by. What's going on, Coach? Thank you for having me. Oh, yeah. We appreciate you stopping by. I did not mean to – well, I guess I did. I texted you. So I did mean to stop <laughs> your day and and enjoy uh, eating some Bojangles and watching the Big South Tournament. What'd you get? What's your go-to order at Bojangles? Uh, definitely Bowberry Biscuits. I mean, you can never go wrong with those. No, you uh, can't. They're so I, good. We do a lot of breakfast stuff with them, so the Cajun Biscuits always my, my go-to breakfast biscuit. I usually get two because it's just it's 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 bad, but I'll get the bacon, egg, and cheese, and then I'll also get the Cajun filet. Uh, let's talk about your season. It ended against Kennesaw State in the A-Sun Tournament. You lost 67-66, to but I think – Overall success, and look, I know coaches are always going to win all the games, right? I totally understand. But talking about Queens basketball, before you guys moved up to Division One, I, I was one championing saying, yeah, they belong. I mean, I, they are going to make some noise in the A-Sun. And if you like college basketball, that conference is absolutely awesome with guys like Darius McGee, Liberty, watching Kennesaw State. Overall, what do you make of your first year at the D1 level? I thought it was a really successful first year. Uh, foundation was built. Uh, a lot of firsts, uh, a lot of really good firsts. You know, you talk about winning the first game versus Marshall. Uh, an upset, Marshall had a great year. We went to our first MT in Jamaica and won that. Uh, we, we won two bye games, which is kind of unheard of for low major teams. And then, and then to win our first A-Sun game, coming behind 16 points down in the second half to beat Austin P. Uh, and then progressing through and beating Kennesaw, who's the number one seed on their home floor, to qualify for the conference tournament, and then to win a game in the conference tournament. A lot of firsts, a lot of success, something to build on. But in the end, we, we are a championship-driven program, and, and we, need to, we need to raise our bar if we're going to win ace on championships. Something you feel like you learned the most with this jump to Division One? Yeah, the positional size is considerably different from Division One, Division Two. Division Two, I, I don't think that we are undersized overall. We might have been at one or two positions, but overall our size was really good. And at Division One, we were lighter a little bit smaller, a little bit lighter in every position. And that's something as we transition forward that we have to we have to change on our roster. Coach, how many things you coming in, in in the first season, how many objectives did you have? How many of those did you hit this year? And what's your number one thing you're going to be looking to uh, attack as your offseason uh, when it begins? Yeah, I think we hit almost every one of our goals except for we were just below 500 in conference. Um, that was that was a goal of ours that we didn't actually hit. Um, we actually qualified for the CBI. Our, our roster's a little bit worn down, so we're actually not going to do that. But overall, we hit almost every single one of our goals. Winning season in non-conference, we went 10-3. and three. Uh, Making the conference tournament did that. 
winning a game in a conference tournament, we did that. And so a lot of, a lot of great things. Going forward, um, we have to address that positional size in recruiting uh, because I do believe that's the one thing that we need to get us in the top, top third of the league is just to be a little bit bigger at each position. Um, we actually out-rebounded our opponents, but it was a dogfight to do so, and, and we need we need to build our margins a little bit higher. Coach, I wanted to know, too, coaching at a school like Queens, when you go out to recruit, how do you pinpoint the guys that are specifically for your program? Because you know you have the kids there. They want to go to the D1s. You may go out. You may see a, there may be a kid that's there that's maybe going to Charlotte and a kid there that may be going to North Carolina, Duke, or something like that. How do you guys identify guys that you know that you have a good shot to get? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're looking for guys that, that you know, obviously when you see a player that's going to go to North Carolina or Duke, they look a little different than everyone. They're bigger, right? They look like NBA players. Uh, and we got to get guys that maybe have one or two things that they're lacking right now, but that can be built upon to get to that level, if that makes sense. So if they're a little skinny, uh, maybe they can put on some weight. Uh, if they're not, if they if they look like that level player, maybe they don't shoot, but it, they have the form to maybe get there. So it's just taking guys that have a flaw or two that are correctable long term, and our program has done a really good job with that. You know, we've had ended up with now 27 guys in the last nine years have had pro contracts. Our point guard this year, Kenny Dye, is every which way being hit up by a bunch of agents, and he'll he'll for sure be a long term pro. Uh, but when Kenny was recruited. Nobody thought he was a pro, but he developed. He put on weight, he worked on his outside jump shot, and he became and worked his way into someone who's an elite-level player. And that's what we're looking for, guys that are workers. Almost every single one of our kids that was in our rotation was a public school kid from the South. And think about that. Every all-league kid we've had in the last 10 years since I've been here has been a public school kid from the South. And so that's kind of where, where we've found our niche is kind of kind of under-recruited guys at public schools uh, that are really hungry to, for more. Well, and you talk about Kenny Dye. I asked Bart Lundy before he left just about how important he was, and he said, look, when he leaves, I might consider retiring. Now, he moved on before he had to deal with the loss of Kenny. He absolutely gave that responsibility to you now, Coach. So what do you do now that a leader, I mean, one of, you could argue the best player of all time, especially with all the records that he has at Queens. What do you do now that he's gone? Uh, Don't retire. I'm not yeah. saying retire. I'm just asking what you do now. <laughs> you know, you can't replace Kenny one for one. You know, I'm not going to go in, a, in, in, in recruiting and get a kid who's as good as Kenny. Uh, but we have to do it collectively. You know, it's a guy like A.J. McKee last year was an eight-point-a-game score. This year, 17 a game. And so we have to continue to develop our roster so those other guys that were not Kenny this year have to get better. We have to get a, a good player or two, you know, to replace Kenny. And it has to be done from within. Uh, but it's very possible because before there was Kenny Dye, there was Jamari Smith who we had to replace. Before there was Jamari Smith, there was Daniel Carr. Before that, it was Sean Willett. Before that, it was Todd Withers. Uh, and so we've always been able to replace from within through development. Uh, the character of our guys and the work ethic they have has always been able to figure that out. Well, and, and you talk about recruiting, too. I wanted to discuss just your philosophy on analytics a little bit more so. It's such a hot-button issue for a lot of people that I feel like don't understand it and then also don't like it even if they don't understand it thoroughly. You guys embrace it. I mean, you guys recruit based off of analytics a lot, and it's not the overarching 100% thing that you have to abide by, but it's certainly a big part of the way that you do things at Queens. Why do you embrace analytics so much as it pertains to this day and age of basketball? Well, I grew up in a math family. My dad's an engineer. My wife's a math teacher. <laughs> uh, and so I, I'm a bit of a math nerd myself. 
Uh, but but math can be scary for some people, so I like to avoid it. I like to say, well, that's just my gut feeling is is I want to do this. But but I like to have that gut feeling, but have numbers behind it. Why did you take that shot? Is that the best shot we could get? What is the best shot our team can get consistently, and why? And so and then teaching our guys what that looks like. You know, everyone says the mid range is dead. Well, it's not. We take a few of them, but we take the right ones for the right guys. But in the end, we all know the highest value shots layups free throws and wide open threes so if we can get those we're going to take them that'd be like someone saying i don't want to take a first down in football like why would you not want to take first down i'll take a first down i'll take a first down i'll take a first down every time i'm going to whittle them down and i'm going to keep making the right play so that's all we're trying to do is to, to figure out how to get the the most efficient shots as often as possible to teach our guys how to train to get those shots to have our offense be built around getting those shots but then in the end we do have a player or two who needs to take Shots that aren't analytically great, and that's part of the game. Congratulations on an awesome first season. That is Grant Leonard joining us here at the 2023 Hercules Tire Big South Basketball Championships. Basketball doesn't stop. Doesn't matter if you're not in the Big South. You come out here and you eat some Bojangles and you watch some basketball here in the Queen City. Coach, thanks so much for stopping Coach, thank by. you, man. Yeah, thank you for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Always appreciate your time. We'll come back. We'll talk a little bit more about the NFL Combine, the Carolina Panthers. Bryce McGowans joins us. A lot to get to here on Weston Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's going on, guys? We are back. Wes and Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. You know the text line, Garage Door Guru, 704-570-9610. Oh. Okay, yeah, that's the first time I've done that and got that. Yeah, it's my – yeah, that shroppy look. Here's what I'll say. I don't want to jinx it, but uh -huh. I kind of do to see if he can handle the pressure because that means you can be a dynamic producer as well. He's pitching a perfect game right now. And you ain't supposed to say that in baseball. I don't know if you can say it during a three-hour radio show, but he's pitching a perfect game. As soon as you said it, it was the first time he got a chance. So we'll see how it goes down. But he's doing a good job so far. Yeah, man. And then uh, hit those socials. Uh, Wesson Walker on Twitter. WFNZ on Twitter. WFNZ on Instagram. So listen, man. There's a lot going on this weekend. A lot of sports. We got the ACC tournament starting next weekend. But today... We've got uh, NFL Combine going on on top of being here at the Hercules Tire Big South Basketball Championships. And remember early on, we wondered if Asheville had a little bit of jitters. Doesn't look like that's the case as they are up 13 with 10.25 to go in the second half. So it looks like they're going to uh, at least, you know. They're out front right now. That's all I can say. Well, I, I looked away, and so it was 11-2. I looked away, 
I looked back. It was tied at 17 apiece, and then we heard the crowd roar with a nice UNC Asheville dunk. I don't know who did it. And then I looked back up after looking at my computer, and they were up like 13 going into halftime. So they're taking care of business right now. Tough shooting day for Drew Pember so far, but is leading the team in scoring because that's what he does. So we'll see if they're able to take care of business as we basically have about 10 minutes to go left in the second half. Yeah, So, um, but I would definitely be locked in on the NFL scouting combine. And so you've got uh, yesterday we had the big boys going. We had the defensive line uh, go yesterday. And, and a lot of the, the major prospects, especially from ACC, uh, from that perspective, the Miles Murphys of the world and some of those guys did not do anything yesterday except get measured. But like I said, we did have some big on-field performances. We highlighted Nolan Smith from Georgia. We highlighted Kalijah Cansey from Pittsburgh. Uh, we also highlighted Brian Brissy, uh as well and K.J. Henry. And so today uh, the combine will continue. But Saturday is a day that a lot of people are looking forward to as far as the quarterbacks coming in. Walker, is that something that you're going to be excited about to watch I mean, how do you feel about that? We'll have Anthony Richardson, C.J. Stroud on display, uh, Will Levis on display. So how are you feeling about that? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see what the QBs can do, especially some of the workout warriors that are going to be, including Will Levis, who I believe answered questions today with all of media, Anthony Richardson doing the same thing. He was asked a question about everybody referring to him as a project and said I don't even know what mm -hmm. that means he's ready right now he's not some project and I understand that you might have that sense of feeling if you're a starting QB at Florida getting ready to play in the NFL he still is going to be someone that probably needs more coaching and mm -hmm. that's why it's interesting with the Carolina Panthers especially with this organization because this entire offseason their whole identity has been, we have the best coaching staff now. Mm -hmm. We like Frank Reich. That's why we hired him as an offensive-minded guy. We went out and we got Josh McCown as the QB coach. Mm -hmm. We know just how impressive the defensive-minded Ajero Averro is as a DC who was getting head coaching looks. Mm -hmm. So this entire coaching staff, it would make sense for you to maybe get a QB that might need more coaching. It's great if you don't get that one. Hey, even if... Uh, Bryce Young doesn't need all that much more coaching than, uh, or excuse me, doesn't need the coaching that Anthony Richardson does. Cool, like we can get our hands on him, great. But it might lend you more to having it make sense that Anthony Richardson could be the pick there. What say you as far as the coaching staff relationship to some of the quote-unquote projects in the draft? Yeah, I think that they said it, and I believe it as well as far as when you have all the pieces in place to help a young guy learn how to be a professional. But at the end of the day, you can have the greatest coaching staff that you want. It's going to come down to that play and how bad do they want it. Is that quarterback prospect going to come in and be all the cliches? Is he going to be the first guy in, last guy out? All that stuff. Is he going to study? Is he going to be a pro, put in the extra work? That's the key. It doesn't matter. You could have Joe Montana and, and any other quarterback legend that you could ever ask for to be on this coaching staff. The bottom line is, is that player going to take to the coaching and is he going to put in the work behind the scenes? Anthony Richardson, everybody's ready for this workout. Uh, I saw this morning, oh, I forgot what the guy's name is. He's one of the big NFL reporters, but he was talking about how he ranked his top five people that he couldn't wait to see perform uh, at this combine and he had Anthony Richardson number two which was virtually number one because his number one topic was something that was not combine related everybody's ready to see what this guy's going to do I mean you talk about 6'4 238 
240 pounds. He's probably going to run a low 4-4, maybe even a 4-3. The arm is going to be insane. I'm telling you right now, I think the Anthony Richardson hype, hype train has a major chance to get in full-fledged. And I could see him. I've already seen it here and there. But I could see Anthony Richardson for the number one pick really pick up some steam this weekend. And that's the interesting thing about the combine throwing. It's an uncontrolled environment. And that's why I said if he really comes out and does well in this, because mostly in the combine they do the more upper echelon throws. I believe they throw, uh, I know they throw deep balls. I forget which routes the guys run. But if you can come out and be really accurate and, and throw some great stuff out there, you can really start to hype him because we already know, man. Listen, people talk about Jamarcus Russell arguably having the greatest pro day of all time. Anthony Richardson, I could almost say, he is going to have a pro day for the ages. Let's just let's just get ready for that. You have to be. Yeah. And, and that's going to really stroke the ego of a lot of these coaches. I said it yesterday. The intrigue is going to be – it could be too much for some coaching staffs to bear – to be able to sit there and look at a guy like that with those kind of tools and with their egos as to how great of a coach they are, what they could end up doing for this young man. Well, Anthony Richardson has been taking questions, as we talked about, with the media in Indianapolis, and he talked about how he thought his interview with Carolina went really well. We heard Scott Fitterer on the Kyle Bailey show, mm -hmm. and Scott Fitterer, I think he's doing a really good job at making it seem like he's interested in everybody. Mm -hmm. Like, even with Derek Carr, you might think, what he's saying is lending itself more to drafting a QB, mm -hmm. being aggressive for that prospect. But he even had some decent things to say about Derek Carr. He loves Bryce Young. He's cool. He's never out of sorts in the pocket. He's always controlled. And even with Anthony Richardson on the Kyle Bailey show, he was talking about how much he really liked his athleticism and all of that. And so... I wonder just how much you're right here, Wes, like how much maybe we could be lending ourselves to thinking Richardson is the guy at the QB spot for the Carolina Panthers. And he said this, too. said Cam Newton is by far and away the guy that he looks up to. Yeah. Like that, that's the QB that he wants to emulate. That's his favorite QB that he's ever seen. So already, like. already a little bit of a, of a similarity there. Would you want him to? Did you like Cam Newton's outfits? Or yeah. I mean, uh, not well, all of them, but... He did have some, some good choices that I thought were pretty clean. What's your favorite? Oh, oh man, that, I would have to go look. But There's so many. The foxtail, were you a fan of the foxtail or not? I got to go back and look at some of the fits. But he, he would have some, some stuff I'd be like, Cam, I don't know about that. Okay. But then he had some that I was like, man, that's, that's fresh. A, a, couple, a couple that come to mind, the crocodile Dundee hat. I remember that one. <laughs> that one. That one was the gnarliest hat that he wore. He also had. Did he have the Pharrell hat on too at one point? You know the big brown, like the big brown hat that was a monster size. Do you I remember that fitting? Yeah, yeah. What about West? Did you like the romper? Because you you give 100%. off romper vibes. <laughs> Why does he give off romper yeah, no, vibes? Look at what he's romper. wearing. Could you not see him wearing a romper? I mean, it's bright. I don't know if it yeah, screams onesie. I don't know if I could do a romper. I don't know if I could do that. I don't know we if I could. try it. I don't but know. It, is that a loss of a bet? Is that a future loss bet <laughs> at some point? Because I don't even know. I bet it's expensive, too. That's the double whammy. You would have to pay for something you don't want to yeah. wear. Think about what he's making us do Monday after the show, which I'm trying to get out of. 
Is yeah. that is that happening on Monday? Yes, I, I told you yesterday. We I know, but I forgot in. about it. You know, I feel like on the so flip side, stuff. You know, if we gotta do all that, you sh- you could at least go try on a romper for us, and we could oh, video I'll do it. we could video that, yeah, and then I'll we could that. have you come into the studio. No question, I'll do that. That's that's good as done. I don't know if Anthony Richardson dresses like Cam Newton, but I kind of hope he does. I want some of that flair back in my life. Yeah. I want some of that flair back with my quarterback yeah. here in the city of Charlotte, watching him play, possibly for the Carolina Panthers. But I mean, like I said, Wes, my bad just saying no, you're good. It's Scott Fitterer feels like he's been saying how much he likes a lot of these different QBs I mean just listen I mean they said that Richardson said out of his own mouth that he's run a 4440 can throw a football 75 yards now they're throwing in a football that long that doesn't do anything for me because I want accuracy more than arm strength that's so, me I, uh, cool. you know what I'm, I'm saying <laughs> but then they said at the uh, Manning Passing Academy they were wowed by his physical tools, talking about Anthony Richardson. And they said that he and Will Levis were well above and beyond every other quarterback there. Anthony Richardson cleans 325 pounds and squatted over 500 pounds. Jalen Hurts. I mean, you, you talk about just physical tools galore. The thing for him is just... Can he process offenses and get the ball where it needs to go in a timely fashion? And is he accurate? If he can do those two things, look the bleep out. Look, I I am a sucker for the athleticism. I am going to be one of the people you're talking about that is gassing up all of the workouts from Anthony Richardson. I can't help it. Like, I try to temper my expectations. All right, Walker, don't be fooled. It's okay. There's athletic dudes everywhere. Calm down. It doesn't mean you need to draft him in the first round. And then after the workouts, I'm like, oh, okay, no, I'm all in. Mm. I'm trading up everything to go get him. But I was listening to Dan Orlovsky talk about Bryce Young a little bit more so on NFL Live yesterday with everybody in Indianapolis because of the combine. And he put it in a way that it feels right to me mm-hmm. where he's saying, yes, you have a size question about Bryce Young. There's no doubt about it. Dude is small, weighing in close to 200, not even listed at 200, just close to it. But everybody else has questions too, right? So does the size concern throw you off so much to where it makes you gravitate more towards all of the pro-ready skills, or I should say all of the athleticism that Anthony Richardson has? But he's got a lot of questions too. Will Levis has a lot of questions. Both of them have more than Bryce Young. Mm -hmm. I would argue C.J. Stroud has more question marks. Even if you might consider him the safest pick, I mean, the only reason you do that is because he's got the 6'3 size, but he doesn't have the tape that Bryce Young has, Mm -hmm. especially at the processing. So I'm cool with him being under 6 foot. I'm cool with him being under 200 pounds. I know we've talked about that as well. I don't think that they're going to get him, but just to put that in perspective, everybody is so scared that he's going to get beat up, and I get taking a hit. Against some of those defensive linemen at that size, it will it will hurt. I totally understand it. But there are so many different questions for everybody else, too. I want to take the risk on the guy that has all of the processing, that has the phenomenal tape, that has the elusiveness, that has the pocket presence, right? I mean, it's, it's incredible to see what he can do. That's the risk I'm going to take if he's at all available. Yeah, I mean, Bryce Young, we've talked about it over and over again. I've told you I don't care about the size. I've talked about the pedigree. I've talked about how he's faced these same questions his entire career, and all he's done has is, is to show and prove. That's what the young man does. And I want a player that's got a chip on his shoulder. I want the guy that's been told what he can't do, how he's not going to be able to last. Because when it comes down to that fourth down or when it comes down to that big play in the game, that young man is going to channel all of that up 
and come out there and get the job done. And so, um, you know, I like Bryce Young a lot. The, a lot was talked about with the video. I forget which prospect he was walking beside coming into the combine. Oh, yeah. and they were saying that he looked like his little brother and things like that, but he didn't play. If, if you want to talk about how people play uh, and equate it to size, he, he's coming in there looking like Andre the Giant, in my opinion. One more question before we go to break. Bryce McGowan is going to be joining us on the other side. I heard them also talking about how with Chicago being in the position they are, you could, in my opinion, actually not give up nearly as much to go up to get that first overall pick and take mm -hmm. advantage of it, even with people talking so much about Drake May and Caleb Williams. Yeah. But because of that, it might make more sense for Chicago to stick with Justin Fields even if you don't 100% believe in him, you're not very good. You still get the number one or two overall pick next year, and then you can move on. That would make sense for Chicago, yeah. which means they could be more readily available to move down, which means that Carolina could get the number one overall pick at a better price than they could in previous NFL drafts. I think there are a lot of different storylines, and it's going to make it a really exciting day once the NFL draft comes. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the biggest storylines of this draft is actually the trades, because most years you get teams at the top that need whatever position that they want to take up there. Most of the time they need a quarterback, so they're going to do that. This is one of those rare years where the team at the top could go with the quarterback, but they could not. And so that makes this draft have a big, juicy storyline that everybody's going to enjoy. If they don't trade it before draft day, it's going to make draft day, the, the tension that much more palpable. It'll be interesting to see. It'll be a lot of fun with yes. the NFL Combine and process. For sure. So when we come back, as you said, Bryce McGowan's from your Charlotte Hornets. We're going to hear from him about the Hornets season and lots of other things. This is the Weston Walker Show Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's Walker Mail here at the Spectrum Center. Thanks for joining us on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. I am with Bryce McGowan's rookie, not playing like a rookie, doesn't have a contract like a rookie anymore, just signed a four-year deal. Having that contract convert from a two-way to a four-year deal. Bryce, first off, congratulations on that. That's awesome. Second of all, what was that process like when you have those conversations, when the team is talking to you about it, your agents, what was that process like getting that extended? Uh, the process, you know, I feel like it, it, it took a like a little a little minute, you know. Uh, I feel like the conversation started like the beginning of All Star break, and then you know uh, came over to like a couple games after All Star break. So uh, while that was happening, I was in the G League. So really, um, I kind of told them to just leave me out of it. Um, you know, just keep me updated every once in a while because you know I still had to play, still had to stay sure. focused. So uh, yeah, it was it was a it was an interesting process for sure because it was my first time going through it, uh, something like that. So but you know. I'm blessed, and thank you, you know, for uh, the congrats. So. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and it's awesome, too, because you grew up not too far from here. And then you go to Nebraska. Yeah. You play a year there. You're the first ever Cornhusker to go one and done. At what point 
did you think, I might go to the league at 19 years old after going to Nebraska just for one season? At what point did that kind of hit you? Yeah, so, well, my main goal going in was, you know, trying get out of there in one year, you know, playing for Coach Hoiberg, you know, played in the NBA, coached in the NBA. So, you know, he's been at the highest level. So, um, you know, he helped me a lot. And I feel like uh, midway through the season, um, I felt like, you know, it was, I felt like, you know, it was my time. So, um, you know, I entered my name in the draft, and here I am at the home team. Yeah, I mean, what was there a conversation? Was there a certain game that sticks out? Or like, okay, man, the association might be calling now. Like, is there a conversation with Coach Hoiberg or anything like that? Or did it just kind of slowly accumulate? Uh, well, conversation with Coach Hoiberg, it was more like uh, what I have to do to get to that level. Yeah. We never really talked about it until like the end uh, of, you know, the year. But um, he always, you know. We always talked briefly about what I had to do and uh, what people were saying. So, Well, you break out in Summer League. You have an awesome Summer League where even if you don't know the 40th overall selection in the NBA draft, you did then. And then in the G League, you played like, what, four games, something like that, average over 20 points a game. How much did that instill some confidence in you that, you know what, I, I do belong here, and especially being rewarded that contract to kind of also give you that confidence? Yeah, really. So we run the same things that uh, we run in Charlotte, down in Greensboro. So, you know, just uh, been able to get the reps feel comfortable getting reps and uh just competing um you know that was the main thing uh i feel like some people take it as punishment going to the g uh, i never felt that way i felt like it was just a learning opportunity an opportunity to get better and, and grow as a play, person and player so um i felt like i did that so i talked to you at the beginning of the season with just some shoot arounds that you had getting ready for summer league it was right before you guys went out to vegas and i think you were discussing the grind ahead you know it's a long season now you have a little less than 20 what is that like compared to the college game where you have so many contests back-to-backs every other night you're playing and that's normal rest what's it been like for you yeah I feel like uh, just your focus has to be higher um, every day uh, you know you're playing against the greatest players in the world every night so uh, just staying ready having your body ready staying mentally uh, prepared and mentally strong um, you know like you said it's a long season and we 20 games uh, until the end of it but you know it's flown by quick, kind of like when you look back. So, um, you know, I'm looking forward to trying to finish this, the, the rest of the season out. So you talk about playing against the best players in the world. Just played KD in your last game. I want to know what's been your welcome to the NBA moment, though. So a lot of first-year players will get asked this. Is there a certain matchup that you had where, whew, I'm going up against this star, or you had some confidence and then you got put in check real quick? Like, is there anything that comes to mind like that when you're thinking of your first year going back through some of the games you played? Yeah, I would say, you know, every game, you know, playing against uh, people you look up to, uh, I feel like like my first test that I kind of watched when I was younger probably was Will Barton okay. uh, and having to guard him in preseason and then look at uh, regular season uh, getting have to get switched on Jason Tatum so um, uh, who's a you know one of the best players in the league so um, you know it was an amazing experience and. You feel me? We live for these moments. <laughs> What's it been like playing for Steve Clifford, who has really bought into you, has talked about you in a glowing way, giving you an opportunity as well quite a bit, where right off the bat you were playing a little bit, and now you're going to have more of an opportunity. Steve Clifford has talked about that with some of the trades they made, with the injury to LaMelo, of course. So what has he discussed with you about more of an opportunity and what's it like playing for him? Yeah, uh, I love Coach Clifford. You know, um, he he's a hardworking coach. Uh, he wants his players to work hard, so... Um, you know, I feel like those two go to get great together. And, um, you know, he's been in this league a long time. He knows a lot. Uh, and, you know, him uh, really, 
you know, I feel like putting his trust in me um, at an early, early um, in my career, um, I feel like that means a lot. Uh, it gives me a lot of confidence, and, you know, we really just talk about day by day getting better um, in whatever aspect that is. Um, really starting on the defensive end, though, um, that's that's the main thing, you know, coverages, um, being able to uh, slide your feet, closeouts, and offensive end, you know, come naturally, just staying aggressive when, you know, the, opp- the right opportunity's there and uh, just making the right plays. And last thing before we get you out of here, I know you just started the first annual Bryce McGowan's basketball yeah. camp. I believe that's underway. You're starting that first year in the league. I mean, I think a couple players will usually wait a little bit, but right off the bat, you're starting it. Why is that so important to you? Uh, you know, I feel like giving back, um, you know, is, is major to my family and you know the person I am uh, you know um, I started the, uh, the first annual camp this year um, during all-star break I went back to Nebraska for a couple of days just to um, get back to the kids you know have fun interact with them uh, give them something to look at uh, moving forward you know whatever whatever they want to do in life but just you know give them something to like inspire them and you know have fun and show them that anybody can do it really so um, you know that was amazing and I think I'm going to do another one this summer sometime in Greenville. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. That's Bryce McGowan's here at the Spectrum Center joining us here on Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Bryce, appreciate the time, man. Good luck the rest of the way. Thank you.